Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. Well, welcome. It's it's a weird time. I'm uh, I don't know quite know what to do. It's well, afternoon. I don't want to go to I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> it's time to take a nap. It's my normal nap time. I'm, I'm wide awake. Yeah, <laughs> my normal nap time. You know, I, I gotta say you're uh, you're the first uh, you're the first battle buddy I've had that I've been fired twice and promoted twice all I at the know, same time. I know. For those uh, that don't know, this is putting the pieces back together presented by Purple Heart Home. We were on Tuesdays at eight a.m. and now we're on Thursdays at three p.m. We started out on Thursdays at eight a.m. And they just don't know where to put fired. us. And then, yeah, I mean, it, and then we got moved to Tuesdays, and now we're moved to Thursdays. And evidently, Sean Hannity used to be on during this time. and uh, He needed to be replaced. He got bumped for us. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what we're saying. Outdated. Now. Veterans um, are taking over the world. Is we're that just, what we're it is? taking it all over. Is we're, that what we're, it is? we're storming the radio and mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. taking over. All right. Well, here we go. Be, so, be uh, careful. I'm sure he'll have his lawyers calling us, uh, wanting to know when he can get his time slot back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. probably the first There's thing. There's some on his conspiracy mind theory now already mm. brewing about <laughs> why we took over and and how it's the <laughs> left wing's fault. And, they paid and, somebody off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. He, he's he's lambashing us right now. Well, we are. Uh, yeah, we're we're really glad to be here. We have all of uh, three uh, viewers on Facebook, so uh, we're we're keeping true with our motto: driving listeners away one person at a time so uh, i think we're all three in the studio <laughs> <laughs> i think we are all of us are here so what are y'all saying because i'm not watching and there's something i'm doing something wrong no <laughs> i always know. seem to be behind yeah i yeah. don't know so. well, we, ha- we have got an exciting show lined up for everybody today and uh, purple heart homes provides housing solutions for service connect disabled veterans and uh, we've got a, a great veteran on the show today uh, representative donnie loftus 30-year veteran in fact I uh, was just uh, talking with him a few minutes ago, and he said he served for 30 years, five months, 11 days, 14 hours, and 13 minutes. And I was like, man, that's somebody that was not tracking at all. No, not at all. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't waiting. I, I can identify with that, though. You can. Now you're I tracking. Count, you're counting down. I'm counting down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Three, I have drill this weekend, and uh, I have two more after that, and then I'm going to uh, tell my friends to the, at the Army to uh, kick rocks. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, it's rocks. funny. I made I made Matt Stevenson kick rocks one time. A- actually, kick rocks. Like actually, like physically, I mean, actually, so mad. got was, so mad at me. Yeah. We were on our we was were on t- our way out today. of Iraq. No, it wasn't today. <laughs> we were on our way out of Iraq. The Connex had been inspected by customs, had had its lock put on it, its tag put on it. I remember this. We were, we were on our way getting ready to go do a route clearance, and we needed the mine detector that was locked up in the Connex. Huh. And so we cut the lock to get the mine detector out. Yeah. And then and Matt, there were no more locks on the base <laughs> anywhere, anywhere on our base. And What'd Matt was so upset. They had to go down to the to the kind of the central fob there in, at Fob Spiker oh, Ford well, Operating I know, Base, I know, and, and uh, pick up another lock. And they had to get customs to okay them to just lock it and, and ship it like Holy it was without crap. inspecting it. Holy to crap. say he was mad was an understatement. But he he literally walked away kicking rocks like, well, at least he didn't kick in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Enough, <laughs> enough about me. Let's get to uh, uh, Representative Donnie Loftus. Not only uh, has he uh, served for 30 years in the military and, and uh, got, a, got a great service record and looking forward to learning more about that on the show, but he is also one of our North Carolina State Representatives and is uh, co-chair of the Veteran and Military Affairs uh, subcommittee, which I had the honor of being able to go and speak with here a few weeks ago and really uh, excited for all that he's doing and, and the great work that he's doing for our veterans all across the state. And so uh, welcome uh, to the show, Donnie. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you today. Hmm. Awesome. Hey, yeah. tell us a little bit about, uh, man, why, you know, where you came from and how in the world did you get into the into the military line of things? And uh, a little bit about that background story. Well, uh, I'm I'm a twin brother. I have a twin brother, and I have an older brother, and we were all preachers' kids. So you know, we were uh, we were perfect angels. Of course, rambunctious. So grew up in the preacher's home. So giving back to our community and touching those in our community was always part of what we did. Uh, when I was in Morganton uh, during the 60s, my older brother got married and he received his Welcome to the Draft Notice Award. Mm -hmm. uh, he went off to uh, combat in Vietnam for several months and uh, he was a ranger from the 173rd uh, Division as part of the uh, fighting force in Vietnam. And, and I always loved his Spitshine boots. He came home from Fort Bragg. Uh, we had another member in our church who was a special forces uh, E6, E7 type, and uh, I was very influenced at a very young age to uh, to participate in military service. Matter of fact, when I was in the first grade, my parents bought me a army uniform <laughs> for me my size that had uh, the the old service cap and everything. So I started out being a military person awesome. very early in life. That, that is fantastic. And and what what did you join into? What tell us what branch and, and what did you join up to do? What kind of work? Well, I, I was still eligible for the draft in seventy two when they finally stopped drafting people and uh you know, I thought, wow, I missed my opportunity. Uh for some that was a good thing. But I always wanted to do some part of that. So in uh, nineteen seventy eight, got married. Uh, this year will be year number 45 with my wife, Dina, awesome. who is also my legislative assistant in Raleigh. So uh, in 1980, 79-80, I was working in a, uh, uh, a plant or a building that we rebuilt tractor trailer rigs, the trailers that go down the road. And one of the guys that I worked with, uh, he was a member of the Guard. And, uh, you know, it was travel the world, get to see places, kill people only on weekends. And uh, so it sounded exciting. I could learn a job skill and it. It allowed me to do both my civilian duties and then uh, two, a weekend a month and two weeks out of the year, I could actually go do Army training. So uh, I joined up in 1980 in January, went to Fort Lost in the Woods or Fort Leonard Wood as it was known as a combat engineer. And back then I was in the maintenance side. So uh, I, I could heal stuff, equipment that wasn't running well or wasn't operating well. Uh, I early out or tested out of my uh, advanced individual training and be had to become the squad leader for everybody else going. 
So I uh, started my career in the maintenance side and eventually I got the opportunity to move over to the uh, carpentry masonry side. And, and for those that may not know, combat engineers is a job skill that you can actually do on the outside world where you don't see many uh, openings for infantrymen, field right. artillerymen. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. We we can still blow stuff up out here. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. They're not really job openings for that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So uh, just, just for a point of clarity here, we're getting ready to come to our first break. For our listeners uh, that have been following us on our uh, Tuesday show, we've got a slight format change. But, uh, Donnie, what unit was that that you uh, joined into? What, what do they call that? What's the brigade that was called? Uh, 30th Engineer Brigade. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure we're calling out that we got got somebody from the Dirty 30 here. Yeah. Uh, it never ends. It, it does. You know, we are it a never-ending never line of, um, of service, of awesome service. Let me just say that, of just absolute awesome service. Well, a legend in your if, own mind. If I remember, well, maybe in some others too. The dirty 30 look more like uh, tennis rackets for a That's tennis right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And uh, at least our patch was a castle that had three X's underneath it representing uh, 30th. Or it was the triple X rated. That's right. So that That's was the right. Difference your yeah. Well, we you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes, and we'll be right back after this break. All right, we are back live. I'm not sure where the intro music went, but I was uh, singing it in my head. Yeah, I was singing it yeah. in my head too. Yeah. Hey, you know, back. new new program, new day. We're uh, we're working it out. Yeah, that's all if good. If you like, yeah. I can start humming it. Uh, <laughs> please don't, Devin. Please Devin, don't. Devin can do that Marine song that they sing yeah. all the time. Uh, so. oh, the one yeah. that Gummer Pyle sang. Yeah. So. You know, we we do have a special guest in here. We we failed to uh, call out. Let's let's. This inter- is true. Inter- Devin failed to call her. Yeah, out. Yeah, he did. Devin, would you like to introduce? Uh, well, well, I was introduced so you know it's not my time i didn't know <laughs> well you're at the bottom of the hour but yeah, uh we got to fill in for miss giggles today so uh my my lovely wife amber has uh has has decided to join us today in the in the laugh gallery that's we, right even though we have new ownership, we still can't afford a laugh track, so we have to bring in <laughs> bring in the actual. Laugh well, let's just let's just be clear. As uh, Justin's in the studio with us right now and listening, it's not that he can't afford the laugh button. We can't afford the laugh <laughs> That's button. That's correct. We uh, can't afford to pay Joe to push the our, laugh our button. Our sponsors yet. have not have not uh, purchased the laugh button for us, but we're so, open. So if you'd like to sponsor, so we can have a laugh button, uh, feel free to let us know, and we'll uh, we'll make it work for you. <laughs> We will work for you. We are here to serve you and laugh at your leisure. Yeah, and perhaps if you want to sign up to be an actual human laugher and come into the studio and just laugh, that oh, would be man. helpful as yeah, well. We could we could do that. We could make a program. Yeah. yeah, just to have a line of people outside going, we're here to laugh. Take a number. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to our uh, our guest. Boy, the show's going by fast already. Uh and and to think uh, we got three breaks today in the show. So, uh, Donnie, uh, you're telling us a little bit about your time in the 505th Engineers, how you came to uh, be in the service, and and tell us a little bit about some of your experience you deployed uh, while you were while you were in the engineering unit. Where where did you deploy to? And tell us about that. Uh oh, opportunity to travel, see the world. Uh, I got. Got a chance to go to Panama, Honduras, Ecuador, Italy, Germany, Iraq, Kuwait. So I got to see a large portion of the world, and we did projects mostly all over the world, engineer projects, roads, airfields, 
uh, most rewarding was the opportunity to actually go do your mission in Iraq that you trained for. A lot of times uh, companies, battalions who would deploy, they would change their MOS duties and now they become fuel tanker operators or uh, patrol uh, operators up and down route Tampa. But we actually got to go do the three B's and that's build it, bulldoze it or blow it up. So we built police stations, we built T-wall barriers, uh, we did uh, runways, we did new new uh, police station parking lots, and we did uh, several opportunities to blow stuff to smithereens in a part of our project mission. So it was uh, it was very unique. I, I deployed as a company first sergeant. We had uh, well over 230 soldiers, guys and girls, and every person in my unit got a chance to go outside the wire. And that was important. My commander and I, we said we wanted all of our soldiers fully trained and everybody to get that opportunity to uh, make sure the, the risk factor was spread across the uh, the unit itself. Mm. So uh, that was a great opportunity deployed in 0506. That was the height of IED explosion during that time. Uh, you mentioned Cobb Spiker earlier. That was our uh, second base we deployed to was from LSA Anaconda in Balad. And then we, we built the entrance where ISIS came through in Sinjar. Uh, we, we built the entrance to that gate all the way out there. We had units all the way up in Mosul and almost about 15 miles uh, from the Iranian border. So there was a very big area of opportunity or area of operations that we worked in. That's that's great. Did y'all handle the um, the the ordnance depot where they would um, uh, explode the the enemy captured ordnance? Is that a part of what y'all did in y'all's mission? No, we, we we did a lot of that on site, on the ground, on location. In in one of our missions up next to Baji, we yep. had the opportunity to participate in a a D-9 dozer mission, and, and the Baji compound was being mortared uh, constantly by uh, civilians or Iraqis who were trying to kill Americans. And so we, we deployed almost every dozer a asset that we had, along with other dozers across northern Iraq. And we built a, a, a berm around the entire city and cut I remember one that. way in, one way out. And uh, we cleared that whole town with the 187th Rakasans from the 101st Airborne, and uh, they never got mortared again. But it was uh, it was a very a varied list of tasks that we were able to participate in. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, in in your time of service, was there a, a particular funny story that you remember um, while, while you were in? Anything that stands out? Well, you know, a lot of times you remember all the, the aggravating or the hard parts, but uh, we, we had quite a few uh, stories uh, at different training sites. I know in, in Camp Laguna, California, we were doing a, a border wall and trying to narrow down the drug cartel, uh, putting up steel runway panels. And so my, my guys uh, in our maintenance section and girls, we had a Saturday off where we went to uh, a state park. And so these guys, all of a sudden, I hear something and they have pushed a big old round rock off the ledge up there. And it, 
is just rolling down the side of the mountain. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> and then another opportunity we had in uh, uh, when we were in Italy, we had a chance to go see Rome. And so being very conservative and frugal, better known as cheap, we decided we would not take the VIP tours on the bus. We decided to walk and we, we toured just about every place in Rome. By the time we finished that evening, everybody had blisters on their feet, but they had more pictures than anybody else, and they had a great time. Uh, that's that's the thing about the military. When you're traveling together as a group, it, it brings a bond together, but you have so much fun that uh, you're, a lifetime of friends, a lifetime of getting together uh, is a very important part. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I was wondering, you know, you know, going and doing all the things that you've done, specifically going, serving in combat and harm's way and all of that, and the young soldiers that you worked with, um, you know, we all know, and and um, you know, part of what you know, a lot of what we deal with at Purple Heart Homes is transition issues with veterans who have struggled with not only the physical injuries that they've sustained in their time of service, but the mental health issues. And were there some uh, challenges that you personally faced uh, coming back? Well, I, I would say one of the things that was very difficult for me as a, as a senior enlisted person, uh, we had sent a group of dozers on this mission up to Baji. Not long after they made it out of our area that they were on route Tampa, which is like the I-85 or I-95 quarter, uh, they were hit by an IED. And remember, combat engineers, when you're moving dozers and motor graders and heavy equipment, you become a huge target. And so one of them got hit by an IED and uh, my soldiers were texting me through our military channels that, you know, we needed to come back and regroup before we tried to proceed. And uh, the mission was so critical, so important that, uh, you know, I told them, I said, coming back is not an option. We have to secure the area and we have to proceed with the other dozers to complete the mission because Lives are at risk. And that, that's tough for me to tell my soldiers uh, to continue on in a combat environment. And it was uh, very anxious then. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other times is when we put up a uh, what they call a computer house where soldiers would have instant access to their loved ones back home. Everybody had a camera that they would plug into the computer. Uh, and instantaneously, they would know their bank account was wiped out by their significant other yeah. or their spouse is now having an affair with someone else yeah. uh, or that DSS in one case had picked up their kids because they were roaming the side of the road. And now I have soldiers who are combat assets that when they find out they're having affairs, their, their significant other is not being faithful to them. They are very much, uh, you know, they're, they're angered. And yeah. they want to kill somebody. And in a combat environment, we had 210 rounds. Everybody had an M4 or M16, or they had a pistol. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very stressful to soldiers. In, in LSA Anaconda, about 65 miles north of uh, Baghdad, we were on a base that had about 25,000 people there. It was almost like being at Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. However, it was being mortared by... Uh, Iraqis that put tubes in the back of Toyota pickups or a, a drive-by pickup and just indiscriminately would drop one in a tube. 
So they, they called it Mortaritaville. So every day you were likely to be ambushed or at least uh, mortared by somebody in 24-7, whether you were on the road, or whether you were behind the wire uh, trying to get some rest. So it's a constant, constant 24-7 that you're under a stressful environment. Yeah. And then coming back home, a lot of my soldiers, uh, you know, once you're out of that combat environment, uh, I learned a long time ago, I was told a happy soldier is always a complaining soldier. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, sure. you know, we, we served with some of the happiest soldiers in the world. Yeah. yeah. And when they got back home, they didn't have that challenge of being in a combat environment 24 7. Yep. they didn't have that let's go on another mission there was nothing to fill the the void uh the excitement the donnie i'm gonna i'm challenge. gonna have to interrupt you here for one second and this is a great place for us to stop great stories but you're listening to putting the pieces back together presented by purple heart homes we'll be right back after this break All right, you are back live with us here in the WSIC News Studio with Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And it is now time for Devil Dog Devin and Project of the Week. Yeah, before that, though, I have a confession to make. I was snooping around the parking lot oh, today. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, uh, Devin actually had to give me a ride over here because Tammy was uh, doing some things at work. And uh, I was his windows were open, and I looked in his car, and... On the floorboard of his vehicle was a was a pack of crayons, <laughs> and so we had thought that he, you know, he had gone to treatment for his eating of crayons, <laughs> and he was addicted, and he admitted to it, and he was like digging through drawers. And Amber, I'm glad you're here because uh, you know the real key to recovery is admission of the problem, and now it has been exposed. He's got crayons in his vehicle. And so here, and live so, on live uh, on the air, collectively, we are going to confront the issue this head is on. A, this is a this is an intervention. intervention yeah. I, I right. wish that I could say this is untrue. Yeah, it is completely. We have true. video evidence. Video evidence. I'm That's also right. affectionately known as the Crown Eater's wife. So yeah, yeah. Yes, and, and as I understand. There are videos like live if, with uh, y'all in counseling over crayon uh, eating and him hiding just, crayons in the house. It's the absolutely house, yeah. horrifying. Yeah, yeah, you can see those on uh, on TikTok at, at Devil Dog. Uh, Devil Dog Devin. Devin, 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 Devin. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you can uh, you can find them on uh, Purple Heart Homes YouTube page. Which yes. uh, if you're not following, why? Yeah, hit that subscribe button yeah, and that little subscribe. bell icon. Yeah, you can catch it all right there. No need for the Chinese <laughs> so to steal just, your information. I'm on just TikTok. curious, uh, Amber. After you married Devin, did you realize that you needed to buy stock in whipped cream and Cool Whip so that you know he could for, have it with so his crayons? Can, yeah, that's, that's a delicacy for him for sure. Yeah. So. Mm. Oh my, don't we have a project to talk yeah. about or something? We do. Let's hear all about it here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, at this this week's project comes from uh, Connecticut. Did, did y'all know we were in Connecticut? Connecticut. I did. Did a project there about uh, 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So we've been uh, – a lot of folks think that we're, we're mainly in the southeast, but uh, we're all over the U.S., 46 states in Puerto Rico. So uh, – um, and uh, Habitat and Humanity, uh, greater spe- the Greater Springfield Habitat of Connecticut, reached out to us because they had a veteran up there that they've they've been assisting for some time. And uh, this veteran is in a Habitat house, but as as 
we all do when we age. We we don't need the same accommodations as we did when we were younger. And uh, and this veteran, uh, all the bedrooms and the bathrooms were on the upstairs of the home, and uh, and they just needed some assistance with with bringing this veteran um, a new bedroom and, and an ADA bathroom that he could access in his home and and get into safely. And that's one of the things that we do every day at Purple Heart Homes is we don't just help the, the veterans uh, individually when they apply, but, but other organizations reach out to us all the time because uh, we're, we're always stronger together. And uh, that, that's, that's one of those things we're, we're so grateful to be able to par partner with Habitat of Humanity um, in the greater Springfield area in Connecticut uh, to help this, uh, this Marine, Oorah, uh, who, uh, who Does served. he have a crayon problem, too? Uh, you know, I, I haven't had an opportunity <laughs> to speak with him, but uh, I, I think uh, m maybe that, that might not be a maybe problem you guys that can, all Marines you know, share. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's a thing that maybe you guys could commiserate with on together, so your love of crayons. So, awesome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll give we'll give him a call. We'll give all uh, right. Give yeah. Lance Corporal well, Max a call yeah. out there. Great but, project uh, of the week, and each yeah. and every week we're grateful that you bring these stories in. Thanks, and, Devin. And uh, thank you to Habitat uh, for Humanity International for for being such a great partner. For yeah, the they're fantastic. For those who don't know, Habitat has Veterans Build affiliates all over the country. It's about 175 of their affiliates are Veterans Build affiliates that do similar work to what Purple Heart Homes does, and. Uh, we've collaborated on many, many projects with them, so that's fantastic. Uh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, it. let's uh, let's get back to uh, Donnie and and hear a little bit more about the uh, story he was telling us about. I think it was such a an interesting point. And again, I'm sorry I had to cut you off there a little mid sentence with uh, our break, but um, you were you were telling us about the experience and and some of the in my own words you know kind of the common work and common things the routine work that you were doing uh, as a soldier and a, and a senior enlisted in Iraq and then what it was like in that transition and, and some of the experiences coming home and so if you would pick that back up a couple of things I'd like to touch on was early on while we were there for our 14-month deployment uh, you you would see the people who were listed as going on convoys. Uh, you would see them uh, the day before cleaning out their chew container housing unit, which is where we lived in. Uh, you would see them standing in the laundry line because they knew they were going out on convoy and they wanted to make sure their, their area was squared away in case something happened and they didn't make it back. Uh, that, that was very sobering for me to watch my soldiers line up and, and to be uh, knowing that, you know, outside the wire is a different world. But the adrenaline is, is a huge factor. Uh, getting a chance to, to go serve your country is a big factor. However, after, after the sun goes down, you can't just get in your car and drive home. For me personally, when, when I deployed, <clears throat> two days after I landed in Kuwait before we went north to Iraq, my wife's mother dies, and her being the only child, I could not be in Iraq uh, and leave her there to uh, take care of all the arrangements and details. And so uh, she told me, no, you just got there, stay. And I said, no, I'm coming home. So I took 10 days of emergency leave and came home to be with her, kind of worked through that issue, uh, went back, joined my soldiers. And then a little over a year later, when, when we landed at Fort Bragg coming home, 
two days after we landed, my wife's father dies. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I don't know who had the worst deployment. And in the meantime, our daughter, she turns 13. She's a great kid. Uh, but at 13, there's something changes in, in kids. Uh, and so it was like, if I felt threatened, I had 210 rounds. If I felt threatened, I could return fire at will. My wife, who was the, the, the sole uh, engineer unit for the house and, and taking care of our daughter, working a day job, lost both her parents in, in a matter of a year's time. Mm -hmm. So the stress of what the family goes through is hugely, hugely overlooked by a lot of people. Uh, yes, in a combat environment, you know the, the rules of engagement. You know you're in a dangerous situation. But there are times when the family back home is suffering just as much because things that happen. So I wanted to just share that, that in my case and in my personal story, my wife did an outstanding job of maintaining that, working through that, and supporting me while I was deployed. So uh, that that was a huge thing. And and after we, after you come back, there's there's a lot of folks who don't realize when you go home, it's not you get up, go eat breakfast, uh, go do PT, or you get ready to go on convoys. There's now a void in that, and it just there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, 12 to 14 months every day, you're strapping on a pistol, you're strapping on an M4 or an M16, and everywhere you go to the port of job, wherever you go, that's with you. And uh, now all of a sudden, you're not carrying that, and now you feel like you've left something behind. And so that was a, a large part of, of reintegrating back home. I live in, in our house, it's two-story. I'm in the, the kitchen sitting at the bar and, and my wife drops an empty cardboard box off the balcony in the other room. And immediately I'm, I'm headed for up under the table. And she's like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, Hey, I'm just, just a little bit, you know, sensitive. Please tell me when you're going to do stuff like that. So uh, that impacts a lot of people differently. Uh, there were there were quite a few times. I think we hit a total of 57 IEDs in our battalion. We captured 27 insurgent. Uh, we filled way over 800, 900 craters where IEDs had gone off, and we cleaned them out, filled them with concrete, and we captured 20, the 27 insurgents. So we spent a lot of time outside the wire. And the one thing I'm most thankful of that we did not lose a single soldier. Mm. Everybody we took, we brought home. So that was a critical part of, of making sure as a first sergeant, we did our training correctly. We did our, our pre-operational convoy checklist. Uh, everybody knew what to do in case of something happening. And on March the 6th of 2006, I'm in a Humvee behind the driver on the left side, right behind an M1 tank. And we've been out doing a recon on oil oil lines that had been getting blown up. So our mission was going to be to go cover them deeper with sand and dirt so they couldn't get to them. It was right at dusk and there was a sign on the left-hand side of the road and then there was a smaller sign before we got to it. What we didn't know, that was the aiming marks for when the Humvee got in that, that they would remotely control, uh, set off the blast. So there were two 555 rounds that put a hole of about waist deep 
about six foot, two arms wide. Uh, the Humvee almost turned over. And, and it's like you're not prepared for a IED here sign. All of a sudden, there was a clap. And the uh, first thing I thought was, okay, I still have my feet. I still have my arms, still have my head. Everything's intact. But that is extremely stressful environment to live in day after day mm -hmm. and coming back home, reintegrating back into society. A lot of my soldiers still to this day have flashbacks, have sure. that. You can see that in their eye, uh, that they are living mm -hmm. somewhere differently when certain sounds are made. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just extremely important that people like Purple Heart Homes does a great job in supporting the families and also these heroes who fights America's battles. And part of that, I've been very blessed to be uh, an auxiliary member with the Marine Corps League. And uh, those those folks have kind of let me uh, share in how we take care of Americans as uh, heroes. And part of that opportunity is through Camp Centurion. Donnie, I'm going to ask Centurion you to. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought because we're getting ready to go to a break, and I don't want to interrupt you in the middle of it. Uh, one of the thoughts that I okay. want to share with our listeners that uh, was triggered while I was listening to you there is uh, Tim O'Brien's book, The Things They Carry. And um, it's a phenomenal book. It talks just about what you were talking about, the M16, the memories, the the pictures, the you know, all the different things and what you carry before you went to service, what you carried while you were in combat, and the things that you carry when you come home. Uh, great, great book there. Uh, you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And when we come back, we're going to hear more from Representative Loftus about uh, Camp Centurion and the work that he's doing in the North Carolina legislature now to uh, support veterans and our military so be sure to stay tuned in we'll be right back after this short break hey welcome back you're listening to putting the pieces back together here on wsic uh, and we are this show is presented by purple heart homes you can find out more about us at phhusa.org that's phhusa.org, and we are joined by Representative Donnie Loftus, longtime Army veteran, North Carolina National Guard combat veteran, and now serving uh, the constituents of Gaston County and my my mama's people down in Belmont, all the Gastons that live down there. And so uh, uh, thank you for being here today, sir. We really appreciate it, and it's been an awesome show so far. So thank you. Yeah, before the uh, break, you were about to uh, share a little bit about Camp Centurion. And so uh, why don't you tell our listeners about uh, about Camp Centurion? Uh, Camp Centurion was, uh, was developed by three Marines drinking a cup of coffee and talking about how they could help and impact the homeless uh, veteran situation in Gaston County. And uh, those individuals found a way to secure uh, a home uh, that needed to be refurbished. And they had been working feverishly on this, uh, piecemealing funding together. And, uh, you know, they really wanted to move forward, but didn't have a lot of uh, assets financially to do that. So last year, uh, Bud Stroop, or Strap as he calls himself, uh, contacted me about uh, the opportunity for, for helping in that situation. So I asked him, I, I, I contacted him back and said, well, Bud, how much money do you need to finish your project? And so he told me. And uh, 
So I never told him I would put a request in. I wanted to surprise him. And so I submitted a, a member's request that I could document this was a, a viable functioning 501c3 that was impacting veterans. And uh, lo and behold, mm. that, that was funded through the budget to impact veterans. And it became part of a bigger picture that we were working on in Gaston County with the Veterans Drug Treatment Court with District Attorney Travis Page and Gus Anthony, a Navy veteran who had been working with Catawba County in developing a drug treatment court uh, for Gaston County veterans. And there's only seven in the state, uh, which, which is kind of surprising, but, but we wanted an opportunity to impact veterans through the Justice Center. And this goes back further. My previous career of being a county commissioner, I was the national chairman for the United States in how counties take care of veterans. And there were five opportunities. And one was you got to have a place to live, a place to hang your head, take a shower, get some sleep, uh, to go back into a job environment. And two was how do you change your military skills over to uh, civilian skills? And, and three, it goes down the list of how we impact those veterans locally. And so this was a part drug treatment court. It used to be by law. When you were arrested as a veteran, your, your benefits stopped, whether you were adjudicated innocent or whatever. And so we got the law changed, the federal law that says, that veteran may need drug treatment or alcohol treatment or anger management treatment while they're incarcerated before their cases get adjudicated. So all of this had built up over the years of, of helping veterans in Gaston County. And so uh, Bud was contacted by the state uh, folks who said, we have a check for $50,000 for you. And, and so Bud called me and Bud was crying and he said, if I was near you, I would hug your neck and kiss you on the cheek. And I said, I am so glad we're on the phone. That's right. Bud was a Marine too. So Bud had these crayon issues that several <laughs> of us know about. Thank you very much. So, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> that, that was so rewarding to be able to help them. And it wasn't too long ago that uh, Purple Heart Home stepped up and uh, really did an outstanding job on uh, redoing the inside of this house, redoing the outside. You guys were amazing when we did the dedication there. It was first class, high quality work. And now they had the opening also of the drug treatment court and its first uh, case has been already started. So uh, that that is well underway to address uh, treatment needs for veterans who fall into that. I don't have anything really to do now that I'm in a civilian world. So I end up being homeless or yeah. end up going into opioids or whatever addictions. And now Gaston County has a place that we can actually treat America's heroes to get them back integrated into society. That's, so awesome. that's been a huge, huge part yeah, of so what I'm doing now. Yeah, next week uh, here in Idaho County, um, we have uh, Justice for Vets from the Justice Department is coming here, and we're doing our training for our drug treatment or veterans treatment court that's going to be starting in the next 90 days. And our DA, uh, Sarah Kirkman, has just been uh, um, really awesome in helping get that thing going. We've got a uh, we've got a um, the uh, court coordinator hired. And um, we've got a, a cast of veteran mentors that are going to be involved with that. And so uh, more to follow on that because that's getting ready to happen and we're real excited about it. And so thanks for your 
work and, and helping Bud and the rest of the team down there. In fact, Joel Dalton, who worked with me at Purple Heart Homes, he's one of the board members for uh, Camp Centurion. And so uh, we're really excited to be in a collaborative effort with you guys. So let me just you. let me just add in there, too. Uh, thank you for the work that you do across the state, uh, providing support and funding through the state budget and uh, certainly the work you're doing through the uh, Veteran and Military Affairs Committee to uh, make sure that uh, there's some awareness in the legislature of the programs that are out there supporting yes. veterans and how uh, all of those uh, representatives that are a part of that committee are working to honor the veterans and and really uh, put North Carolina in the in the forefront as a state that is the most veteran friendly state uh, in the in the country. And so, uh, thank you for that work and, and you support. Guys, you guys did a great job with the million dollars through the state funding to impact veterans across the state. You guys did a wonderful job in touching across the state many people that needed uh, different areas of help in in their lives, whether it was ramps, whether it was remodels, uh, anything like that. And so as as part of my job now, last year in 21-22, we passed where all the veterans with 20 years of service, their pension is now tax-free from the state of North Carolina. That's Amen. fantastic. For a lot of Amen. So that, yeah. that's awesome. We're working on more of those type of bills. I found a bill mm -hmm. to make all the enlisted pay in North Carolina for active duty, reserve, and National Guard tax-free. But, uh, you know, sometimes it takes one or two or three three years to kind of get that through the cycle. So that's something else I'm committed to of, of helping uh, America's heroes. Well, we're praying that that, uh, that uh, property tax bill for 100% uh, service-connect disabled veterans uh, gets yes. passed through soon. I, I've been tracking along with that. Yeah, amen. That'd be fantastic. And, uh, Donnie, I know we got one more question here for you as we uh, start to wind down. We've got about three and a half minutes left. Um, but in, in the process, what, what are some of your final thoughts or message that you'd like to share with our listeners, particularly those who may be veterans themselves or have veterans in, in their lives? I, I think one of the biggest things that impact veterans now is having people who understand the sacrifice that are made by not only military service members, but by their families. Having people appreciate the less than 1% who stepped forward to serve, who put their life on the line for this great country. Uh, so I, I would think, one, the appreciation of the sacrifice. Two, understanding a little bit more about how we got to be a free nation. We just celebrated July 4th. And, and the, the stress that's got us to where we are, how we are a great country, we should be appreciative of the freedom we have. So I think that's important. The other thing was... You hear a lot about when you see a veteran, just think a veteran because they always wear the, the hat on top that says Vietnam, Korea, whatever. That's a great opportunity. Veterans always like to hear that. And sometimes if you see veterans struggling, it's okay to give them a hug. Mm -hmm. that, that goes a long way to say, thank you for your service. May I give you a hug? Yeah, amen. That's great advice. Yeah, that is great advice. That's yeah, great we really advice. appreciate it. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're really, really grateful. Thanks for your stories, and uh, thanks for your service to our country, but also your service to our state and representing the fine people of Gaston County. Um, next week, uh, I'm really excited about our guest next week. Chaplain 
This is our first chaplain guest. All right. Chaplain. Wait a minute. So the chaplain assistant that's <coughs> now a full bird, he doesn't count? Um, no, we, there's no chaplain assistant that's now a full bird. What's the guy's name we had on here? Uh, Sergeant Major. Oh, Sergeant Major. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. He, would, he would die if he thought that you had, <laughs> he had become an officer. Wow. Oh, I just he know he had been in a long die. time. and He's been yeah. in forever, man. Yeah. yeah. But uh, chaplain. So this is the first okay. chaplain we've had. We got it. Does and, Army not have the same rank, rank structure? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know. John forgets about officer yeah. enlisted divides. Well, yeah. He's been out a long time. So, yeah. But chaplain, <laughs> lieutenant colonel, promotable, because he's going to promote to 06 in the next two weeks. Emmett Ferner, who I served with uh, in the special operations community, he's getting ready. He's like, he's like, he's a big time guy. Yeah. He's big, I mean, he's, you know, he's important. He's an important guy, and I can't wait to have him on the show because I'm going to rib him so the entire time. can we call him the old man? Or he be promoted by then? Yeah, and yeah. guess what? He was, he was a Marine before he joined the Army. No kidding. He was a crayon eater. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh-huh. you'll enjoy we'll that. It's going to so be a just fantastic think, Just show. think, Devin, crayon eaters can grow up to be old men. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You had a crayon-eating chaplain in Iraq? That's awesome. So, uh, But listen, uh, we are really, really excited that you guys tuned in on our new time slot of 3 o'clock. Don't forget to set your watches and your clocks and whatever it is you do. Three o'clock every Thursday. We'll be here, not Sean Hannity, but it will be putting the pieces back together. <laughs> presented by Purple Heart Homes. Find out more about us at phhusa.org, and we'll see you next week.